or my, my, my favorite is, is still, uh, here's a little something off the request line from Liberty Island. We're going to squeeze some New Year's <laughs> juice from you, Big Apple. <laughs> if you know that reference, then you are old enough to listen to this show. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I'm just going to redo that. That, that wasn't <laughs> No, no, no. Leave point. it in. Leave it in. Leave it in. Uh, no, no, no. Stay. Now we got B-roll. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm sitting here, racking my brain, trying to come up with that intro, and you know what I've done? I've, I've just decided it's the end of the season. I'm just going to write off that as a loss. Like, I, I don't need, like, any kind of clever <laughs> intro to come into the show yet. Let's worry about that for season two. How's that sound? I don't need your fancy intros. All the people need to know is that I am... Your host, Michael Feenan, and on the other microphone is my good friend Hello. and co-conspirator in crime and development, Aaron Hill. Hello. People, hello. Here. Again. Hi. Do hello. it one more time. Hello. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's big news, I guess. It's episode 25. Uh, if you can do math, then that means you have been listening to the Drunken UX podcast. For nearly a full year. And by the time we are done, we will have 26 and 52 divided by 26. Wait a minute. Means we have done an episode Is... every single other week without fail. Oh. I was thinking two a month. But it's not, it's two, not a two a month. It's not two a month. It's bi-weekly. Yeah. Like, it's like paycheck cycles. Exactly. Yeah, not... You end up yeah. with that extra couple months there where you sneak one yeah. in. Um, right. So, folks... This is the Drunken UX Podcast. Thanks for sitting down and joining us. This is part one of two of our season finale. We decided to break it up into two parts because I don't really know why, but it seemed like a good idea at the time, so that's what we're doing. That's the Christmas present we're giving to ourselves. That's Yeah, that really is. So you're, you will get these episodes on the normal, regular schedule. Um, Aaron and I will be taking the rest of the month off. You will still get real-time overview and build process as scheduled, um, but... We are going to be taking a break, prepping some stuff for season two, and, well, in theory, you're going to be able to come back bright-eyed and bushy-tailed along with us and join us for season two starting in January. Uh, I, that's the plan. That's, that's the plan, and, you know, it's, it's kind of convenient that we sort of started in January, so our seasons run an even year, and we, we, we've tossed around the ideas of maybe taking some breaks in between. We'll see how that goes. Um, I I think I prefer the idea of record a lot in advance mm-hmm. then take a vacation but let your show keep running on a normal schedule i like that too and i i think that people that enjoy listening to the program would appreciate that but and, it, and we'll actually talk a little bit about that um uh, from a standpoint of, of production and making the time for all of this and, that, and how that happens for us so in part one episode uh, 25 the one you're listening to right now we're going to be talking about basically how this whole podcast started, um, you know, what went into it, and, and why, why we're doing this, and, and what we get out of it, and what we hope you get out of it. Um, in uh, episode 26, the, the real season, this is the penultimate episode, 26 is the definite final episode of the season uh, in two mm-hmm. weeks. We'll talk more about the actual logistics of what goes into the podcast in terms of, you know, 
the the kind of bandwidth we push, uh, how we edit the show, and what kind of numbers are there. Um, the you know how we figure out what platforms we're on and all that, and tracking and and things. So the the technical bits will be on that episode. This episode is the warm fuzzies. Uh, I think that's I. I think I I don't follow. I mean, there's a few podcasts that I follow, but I don't think that the market is uh, saturated yet. Is it? Like, uh, there's a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I mean, podcasts. There are tons. I think I, the recent yeah. number I saw was something like twenty thousand. Um, yeah. As of right now, uh, it's a very long tail industry, of course. Uh, sure. You know, there are probably. Uh, and I'm just gonna guess here. I would say there's probably in the area of a thousand shows that are super high end, popular, and get enough traffic right. that they do podcasting for a living. Like they they make money right. doing it. Right. Um, we've joked about it before, um, and we can we'll talk about it uh, here. But uh, we don't make money. <laughs> uh, we we do get a little bit of revenue influx, and we're planning some ways to to do some more. But um, this is by no means a job, and for most people, it isn't. Right. Um, we do it because we love it. We do it because it's it's fun for us. Well, you know how like like I would say that YouTube is uh, kind of saturated. Yeah. Like uh, getting if you had any aspirations of starting a YouTube channel, the correct time to do that would have been about probably six or seven years ago. And I I feel like that's sort of maybe where podcasts are right now. Maybe my finger's not quite on the pulse there. I don't. I'm not sure, but um, I guess what I'm saying is that the second half of this episode airing in two weeks, um, if you have interest in making a podcast, I think that it's still reasonable to want to do. Still, yeah. And let's actually. I didn't have this in our our show notes for the episode, but I just added a, a note into it to make sure we talk about it because there is uh, an interesting discussion on that that I think will be fun mm-hmm. to throw in here. So. Before we get too deep, um, be sure to help us out. Go check us out on Facebook or Twitter. We are at slash drunken UX on Instagram at slash drunken UX podcast. Um, in particular, on Instagram, we share pictures of our, our drinks and I'll show mm-hmm. some behind the scenes stuff and whatnot. Um, and so it's a fun way to kind of keep up. We post little updates when, when stuff goes out. Of course, we do that on Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, yeah. But definitely stop by, check us out, let us know how you're enjoying stuff. If you want to have a chat with us, uh, we have a Slack. It's open 24-7. Uh, you know how Slack works, so leave us a message. If we're not there, we'll get to it. Uh, it's just drunkenux.com slash Slack. Come check us out, and we'll love to hear from you. And in particular, let me encourage you, um, whether it's Slack or if you go by the website and use our contact form, but if you mm-hmm. have any ideas, any topics that you would like to see covered in Season 2, please drop by and let us know. We would love to hear anything along those lines and we'll we'll start slot we have ideas like we're not we're not like starving (laughs) for subjects or anything but but like we would like to give you things as a listener that you want to hear about so yeah in fact we've got one (laughs) sitting in the tank that will probably come out in early january that has come from a listener that he said, hey, you got to think about this. And I looked at it, and I'm like, you know what? That's not a terrible idea. I'm not going to spoil the surprise <laughs> for you, though. Um, My God, I think that gets us through an intro that we almost started the show without really going through the intro. Um, uh, What are you, you drinking over there, Aaron? Because this is still the Drunken UX podcast. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm just finishing my first glass of the Balvenie Doublewood again. Uh, it was so delicious. I had to do it again. See, it, 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 it is, this is how it yeah. starts. I'm warning you. Right, 
Um, <laughs> one of my uh, coworkers uh, just uh, Tuesday night was talking to me and was asking about. He went to so get this. He went to a mm-hmm. barber shop to get his hair cut, and they set when he sat down. They're like, "Would you like some whiskey or scotch to go with that?" What? And I, I was like, "I don't know what this barber shop is, but we need one." <laughs> Uh, but so he he had a glass of scotch and he said I liked it. I went and bought a bottle. I didn't like that. What should huh. I be looking for? And so we went into this whole conversation about you know starter scotches and whatnot. So I thought that that was just funny to me. He didn't buy rocks. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, no. That uh, luckily I don't think you can buy that anymore. <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's long dead. You know, I think that's, um, there are things that happen, experiences people have when it's just a horrendous experience, but in hindsight, long after when you're warm and safe and not hungry and not on a poop-filled cruise ship, you probably look back on it and think like, I was part of that. And I I think that the short run of that rock scotch is probably like, I had a bottle of that. It was as awful as- story underneath all that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, I I don't have any specific. Well, maybe I probably do. Yeah, but uh, they don't need to hear. I, I know poop. plenty of. <laughs> no, don't you remember that the Carnival cruise ship that uh, they were stuck at sea and the bathroom stopped working, and it was just awful. Oh, I see. This what is you're like saying. four or five years ago. I thought you were just talking ago. about like your your first experiences with drinks. That was like, <gasps> no. I was like, no, man, no, you no. had some bad drinks on that cruise ship, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I haven't had any. Well, I've I've had some experience with drinks, but nothing that bad. There, oh my god! There are definitely <laughs> wrong ways to start out with scotch. There's no no two ways about yeah. that. Um, and to counteract that, because this is this our season finale recording, I've broken out the good stuff. Um, I don't think I've had this on the show yet. I've we've done enough shows now. I've started to lose track, which I think is a good sign. But this uh in my hand i'm showing aaron across our oh, webcam so that he can see it um you can see it wow. if you follow us on instagram uh, i've already shared a picture of it as of this episode um this is the glenmorangie extremely rare 18 year um beautiful beautiful drink uh and relatively affordable for the age when people ask they're like oh well how much is it and i tell them well it's about 105 dollars a bottle they usually don't like that, but that is affordable for a very good scotch. The thing to remember is that you don't do these do these with mixers. No, you no, don't no. like chug them, and you like one one maybe two glasses in an evening. Th- and this isn't good. gonna be like the the Vesper Martini night, <laughs> right? This, right. I'm gonna this, I'm gonna be treating myself through this. We're not gonna get sloppy. It's you know drunken mm. UX, but not stupid UX. Uh, right. Okay. we made it okay what what did i think about 10 minutes to get through all that um i want to talk first before we get into the stuff you know we always have our little opener here and our opener for this evening is microsoft um which didn't and this just was something that came to mind they the other day were once again like the most valuable company in the world briefly weren't they yeah um after i so i i have uh i don't know if this is disclosure or not but i have apple stock just some. That's I. I don't um, think we need to disclose that. Okay. Well, I just did. So yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll steal it. But they they took a they took a. I mean, they had that trillion dollar valuation, and then I I think everyone collectively was like, "That's a lot of zeros. Let's go ahead and sell off some of that." 
and just bake in those profits. Um, and then so the the stock has tumbled down a bit since not a lot, but just a little bit. Yeah, just a then. little. And my, Microsoft has uh, has been jumping up. And and Microsoft so. beat them like I mean they beat them by something like three hundred million dollars. Um, yeah, an insane amount of money. Uh, but like when you put those numbers side by side, it's mm-hmm. very like they like inched ahead so slightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the reason this is important is because with Microsoft's size, with their revenue, um, they do things. And I want to talk about something they did, which I think is both very important and very good of them. And I certainly would encourage other companies to follow suit. Maybe not to their degree, but. They donated $10 million to the Code.org organization. Nice. And I think that's amazing. Uh, If anybody, and I know uh, we'll talk about your kids in just a second. Um, Yeah. If you have kids and they're in school, this is incredibly important. Um, Because Code.org is all about fostering computer science education in K-12. It's hard for schools to do that, it's hard for them to get expertise, yeah. it's hard for them to get materials and equipment and all of this stuff. And, and computer science is is a lot. Like, it's not just programming. There are other facets right. to it. Um, and so the, the quote, or part of the quote that Microsoft released that I, I loved, they said, they're, they're also developing creativity, critical thinking, and problem-solving skills that will prepare them to thrive in the future workplace, workforce. I think that's... I like that. It's yeah, I like that a lot because it's one of the reasons why I encourage parents to put their kids in something like debate or forensics. Um, mm-hmm. There is, and the 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 two key words there are critical thinking, um, mm-hmm. and I can hear my dog squeaking its toy in the background. I'm sure you can too, <laughs> probably in the in the mix. We'll try to fix that later. Uh, the critical thinking piece is is so important. Uh, because it's hard, uh, and it requires yeah. you to do the second thing they said, which is get people to understand how to problem solve. Right. And computers are nothing if not problem-solving utilities. Yeah. Well, and, and, and also problem-creating utilities as well. Right, yeah. Well, and um. we, we, were joke- <laughs> we were joking right before we started recording um, – I got these nice new Bluetooth headphones, and I thought this evening, well, you know what? I'm not going to sit with these heavy uh, uh, headphones on. I'll use the Bluetooth ones. I hadn't set them up yet. They're brand new. I turned on mm-hmm. Windows, hit you know my Bluetooth stuff. They connected. They paired. They did all of that. No audio. <laughs> I spent 20 minutes trying to get these things to give me audio, and they wouldn't. Uh, did you try turning it off and on again? I, uh, I promise you that I did that. Uh, I did all the things. It works fine with my phone. Works fine with my tablet. Everywhere else, they're no problem. But Windows was just like no. But that's the kind of thing, you know. And and whether it's something like that, you know, I think a lot about how many times I have to do something silly like restart my router or mm-hmm. or something along those lines. And that's easy for me, right? But even some of my smartest friends would have trouble with that because it's just not their area of expertise and they don't have the problem-solving well, skills to do anything but turn it off and back on again. You know, I, the other day, my, my daughter's computer stopped working. It it um did that thing where the, it's, you know, the sound gets stuck on a loop, like ding, 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 ding. And it was just doing a, 
like looping a like half second audio bit. Anyways, she goes to restart it, and because that's what she knows is like if it stops working, I should restart the computer. And so she does that, and it won't start up. And so she tells me, and I'm like, oh well, not when you have to push the power button twice to get it to start. She's like, I did that, and it didn't work. I was like, okay. So I look at it, and then I look up the diagnostics on the Dell site. This is like a, a, a repurposed Dell. And uh, it says like, oh, well, if the amber LED flashes twice and there's a short pause and then two or three times, then it means this. And then it's like, oh, okay. So I had to take the thing onto my kitchen table and then spray the whole thing out with a uh, dust cleaner. And then it got it working again. But, <laughs> but I mean, like, that's like, that's, you know, years of experience taught me to do that. Yeah. And I think that an average person who didn't have that experience might think like, oh, well, this thing is just toast. I think it's great that kids are getting exposure to, even if it's just programming at this point, like this, that process of being like, I can't do this. Like I can, this is a problem, but it's not a problem. It's just an obstacle. And I, I can use my brain to get over it. Yeah. And I mean, there's just, I, I think it's that idea too, that it's, partly because it's becoming so prevalent to our lives, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, yeah. this skill set 20 years ago looked very different, 30 years ago looked very different. And moving forward, you know, there's estimates, and I think Microsoft is actually one of them that's put this out, that as many as three-quarter of all jobs of any kind moving mm -hmm. forward will have relatively technical components to it. Right. And... It's, you know, that's not to devalue the importance of trade skills either. I think, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Mike Rowe fan and I'm a firm believer in working with your hands as much as anything. Sure. But the growth in economy is towards these jobs that are going to require technical skills, even down to, you know, answering phones and things like that. So, yeah, I and if anybody is interested in supporting an organization like Code.org and doing it really, really simply and transparently. Um, use smile.amazon.com and you can pick a charity have your purchases benefit um, mm -hmm. if my memory is right and I'm speaking very off the cuff here code.org code is one of them yeah code.org is one of them that's yeah. the one I benefit um, yeah if, if my memory is right and I'm speaking very loosely here because I didn't plan on saying this so I didn't double check it but I, I think the announcement that Amazon put out recently was that they just passed the $100 million mark in donations to organizations through smile.amazon.com. Wow. So cool. It's, it's a little bit like my total donations that, you know, they're not high certainly, but it's one of those things that in aggregate across a lot of people, it oh, starts sure. to add up very quickly. And it's one of those like do a little help a lot. So yeah. I, I recommend that there, there are other organizations too, like girls who code and some of those that are trying to do kind of the same thing, but in other uh, niches, niches. So this, and part of the reason this is important, um, why, why this matters, why Microsoft's donation to code.org is, is, is helpful. Um, and I'm quoting from one of the news releases that we'll have linked in the show notes. Uh, they ran a survey and they found that 88% of teachers say computer science is critical to their students' future success in the workforce, but 60% said that computer science isn't part of their school's hmm. curriculum. Wow. So th think about how many students that means aren't getting a critical part of what is going to be important to their future success. And yeah, I don't doubt that for a minute. You know, when you think about not just high-end schools, because a lot of people tend to think of education 
and they think of it in this model of what is happening on the coasts. But I live in Kansas, folks. I know what yeah. our schools look like. And while we don't have the population density, the middle of the country is very spread out and very small. And right. you have a lot of these schools that don't have, if even if they have access to the the physical components, they don't right. necessarily have access to the expertise sure. to teach it. You, you know, I was just thinking um, the the mandate for having this stuff available, even if you don't go into a field that requires programming per se, having just the the understanding and comprehension of how it works, kind of demystifying that. It reminds me a little of when I was in high school, I took um, an electronics class, like a soldering stuff, and also a um, power mechanics class where we had to like disassemble and reassemble a uh, like a lawnmower engine. And I, I have not done anything with any of that knowledge ever since, but I understand that like how a carburetor works and how the cylinders work. And so it gives me a little bit more literacy when talking about with a mechanic who is fixing my car because I don't know how to do it. Um, but talking with them about what's going on. So I'm glad that I took the course and I would hope that kids that take computer science courses in their high schools or grade schools now would find a similar benefit from that. I, I would even argue that like I had some low end, like DC electronics engineering, mm -hmm. uh, education, um, nothing high end. You know, I know what resistors yeah. are. I know what Ohm's law is. Um, my very first real person job out of college was as an electronics technician. Uh, oh, nice. Where I soldered all day, basically. And down to the point, like, I learned how to do things like, you know, solder 64-pin quad packs mm -hmm. um, by hand. Nice. And that's, while I'm not necessarily doing that, every once in a while, something breaks. Yeah, a, a light breaks, you know, or something. Or a while back, uh, uh, I had a problem with my home theater receiver, and it broke. Um, and I opened it up, and I found the problem. And you know, that basic level of just understanding how electricity works, right, um, is incredibly useful and valuable. It saved me throwing away, you know, a three hundred dollar home theater receiver because I knew I could take that board out, disconnect it, you know, take a couple screws off, mm -hmm. and physically clean it like i was able to wash it <laughs> because you can do that with electronic components when you don't have power attached to them <laughs> right. and as long as that, as long as there's no capacitors right yeah yeah yeah, like I said, yeah. no power and but right. again i know that because a capacitor yeah. stores energy right most people don't <laughs> know that and so though that chunk of skills and knowledge um you know, it, that's again. It is a little bit more electronics engineering background rather than computer sciency, but they are very com connected. And being good and educated in one, regardless of which one, helps all of that. It helps your critical thinking. It helps your problem solving. You don't mm -hmm. have to be a programmer. You don't have to do those things. But having exposure to them is worthwhile. And having those resources made available. They said thirty percent of the teachers think they are underqualified to prepare students for this future <laughs> that's coming. Yeah. Like, not not even that they don't have access to a curriculum or the resources or whatever. They're just straight up saying, I can't teach them that. Right. And so, kudos to Microsoft. I'm I'm glad. And I hope, right, you have, how old are your kids? Because they're like they're, teenagers, right? No, 9 or no. 11. But um, my, my daughter, um, 
they had someone from the uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension, I think, came to their school with micro bits. Have you seen those? Yeah, they, those are like the little, like they they got like the little magnetic ends on them. Is that the one? Uh, I don't know if it's magnetic. Um, but it's it's sort of like an Arduino, like it's a self-contained processor kit that you can yeah, like lot, and it's like lots of individual components, yes. like like very yeah. advanced Legos, right? Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all breakout boards. Like yeah. you, you connect the pieces together. They they slot together, and you program them via like the like a web interface or something. Like she used, they use their Chromebooks to do it. Um, is that the is that the one with like the drag and drop programming? Oh, uh, I don't. I have to have her show me. I don't know. Um, there, there's I one. The, I don't know if it's Google or somebody else that wrote blocky. one. That that is that. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, um, it's like a got a very drag and drop idea to the pieces yes so my my son had a a digital literacy class his first trimester of school and they um uh they did scratch the mit scratch thing which does the drag and drop stuff and i don't know if you've looked at that yet but that is cool and i wish that we had that when i was his age learning programming instead of doing uh, basic or turtle or any of those because this is like it's all event based. They have different like images and sounds and it's all like, it's really intuitive because all the blocks contain like, uh, divots on the tops and bottoms. So you can tell if the divot matches the the stub on another block, then you know that they can fit together and, and, uh, it makes it a lot easier to kind of assemble it. And everything is like, well labeled and if you want to like if you have a a sprite on the screen you can click on it and then it brings up like a multi-tabbed dialogue that lets shows you all the different events that you can wire up in it and they did a they have a a 12 or 16 week program and they have like a 10 week program and so his class did the 10 week program and it's the curriculum is already there his his teacher was not a computer science person he used to teach i think history or something for like 15 years and then he decided he wanted to do something different. And so he did this. And he had never programmed before. And he's able to teach it. So, like, the curriculum is there. And they help you through it and everything. And then the kids can program. And the stuff that he made was awesome. It was super cool. Yeah, that's, yeah that, that is exactly what we need to be encouraging kids to work towards. Yeah. I, I know when I was young, of course, what I remember most about that, though, was how much I had to teach myself mm-hmm. because it was something that interested me, but I was always way beyond the curve. Um, yeah. And I'm not patting myself on the back on that. It's just that <laughs> there was just, there was nothing, there was no infrastructure to it. And, you know, computer classes were literally just typing classes. I I am, however, now uh, on, and this is something I encourage you, if you uh, work locally, especially if you're in a smaller region and not like a big city, but even if you're in a big city, um, I'm on the technology advisory committee for our high school. Mm-hmm. And so we get together like twice a year. Um, it's even, we, we used to meet face to face. Now we just do it through email. Um, but it's basically all around helping the school district understand how to build programs for kids to help prepare them for exactly this, you know, the digital future kind of thing. Um, I had an opportunity about, I think it was a year and a half ago at one of our meetings. Um, one of the people, one of the teachers asked, well, 
we've got these books on Flash. Should we be helping kids learn that? Oh, God. <laughs> and I had that oh. proud moment where I, I fluffed up my chest and put my feathers out, and I said, no, sir, do not <laughs> teach them Flash. But By the way, I, I found the curriculum. It's the Computer Science for All in San Francisco. Um, I put a link in the show notes. You should check it out for your tech advisory committee. It's got its pre-baked curricula for K-12. to Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, as far as that goes, check it out. Look in if you if you want to help out in an area. It's a good way to kind of, even if you, you don't want to be a teacher, you can't teach a course, whatever, it's a good way for you to lend your technology experience to maybe helping a district move in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can recommend something like code.org to them. Uh, and <laughs> they, they have a program called Hour of Code, which it technically mm-hmm. runs any time all year. But uh, the Hour of Code program is something we'll I'll leave a link to that in the show notes as well. But check that out. Okay. <clears throat> I'm coughing. Um, that is telling me that uh, we need to get into our real subject, which is talking about us. <laughs> Yay. What did I say about not getting sloppy on scotch? I don't remember. Um, this is the this is the the meta episode. This is the meta episode. We, we drunken UX, some drunken UX. Get get drunk on on Drunken UX and talk about <laughs> how we got here. I want to give you a little bit of background. Drunken UX is actually very old. I started Drunken UX in 2011, so seven years mm-hmm. ago was when this idea originally started. the The concept was very different, though. Um, my original idea was to start a YouTube show, and I was going to do this thing where I put up a, a screen share and did kind of like the way uh, people stream video games now. You know, you put your little box in the corner of you. Um, mm-hmm. And I was going to do literally drunken UX tests of websites <laughs> for people. And I was going to do that as an episode. The problem with that. I, rem- I remember this. Yeah, you don't want to, though. Um, and you can't find any of those videos, just FYI. Yeah. So if anybody's <laughs> curious, no, you can't have them. <laughs> One of them I was shirtless in, inexplicably. <laughs> I don't think I remember that one. I, I remember the other ones, though. <laughs> it, so it, w- it was a neat idea. It was an idea, though, that was ahead of its time. Not because I was too good for YouTube or anything. The, the technology just wasn't there yet. It was mm-hmm. too hard to do what I wanted to do at a quality level I wanted to do it. Um, yeah. Certainly, I could have gone out and got better cameras and a higher-end microphone or whatever to help. But... At that point in time, I, I couldn't afford any of that, and mm-hmm. it, just, it, it, it just wasn't right. It just didn't – it was not the time. I didn't have any plan either. I had an idea, but yeah. nothing else, and I tried to run with it. I think the, the concept of, of UX as a topic, I think, hadn't quite matured enough to where the audience was really ready for that kind of content either. Yeah, that was real. I mean, 2011 – That was cutting edge. It doesn't sound like a long time ago. Ooh, seven years. But yeah, seven years in web terms, a lot has happened in that time. You know, a lot of studies have been done. A lot of books have been written. You know, a lot of fields have completely changed. Uh, you know, the resources we have. Node? What's Node? Uh, <laughs> seven years is a lot of time. Um, I decided that, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it to myself. Because in my head, I'm like, I'm going to do these every week. And I didn't want to drink that much. <laughs> that <laughs> would have been terrible. Um, oh, my gosh. But I kept the account. I kept 
the I had an email, I had the YouTube account, um, I set I had set up a Twitter account, and in particular, I kept the Twitter account because I had fun with it. It sort mm-hmm. of became an alter ego for me, um, and <laughs> you you can go up. I haven't deleted anything off of the account, so you can actually go back in time on that Twitter account and see times where it was just late at night and I was working on something and drinking and decided it was time for Drunken UX to come out. And I would just go <laughs> on weird rants. <laughs> That's all it was for a long time. It just I always had it in TweetDeck or in my phone, and it was just an option that if I wanted to get weird, it was the place I could go get weird and talk about web stuff. I, I knew, you know, it, there was always this sort of seed that I wanted to do something with it, and I just didn't really know what. Yeah. Now, in, in the meantime, Aaron and I sort of met, but didn't meet. <laughs> yeah, we've still not met in person. We've, yeah, Aaron and I have never met in person. Um, yeah. We've seen each other plenty, obviously, at this point. Um, but we'd never, we never met in person. I, I honestly, I, and I don't even, I'm not even sure I remember this, um, but Aaron, you kind of told the story to me earlier about in, in the Facebook group that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> we apparently crossed paths because you looked at me and thought I was a golden god, which, I mean, come on, look at me. <laughs> More like, a, you know, like the bronze bowl in Wall Street? More oh, like that. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> we apparently crossed paths there. He yeah. started stalking me. <laughs> he followed me on Twitter and Facebook and all of these things. Yes. We we did, though. I mean, we definitely, for a lot of time, I mean, in between probably, well, I don't know when that was, what, 2013, 2012 probably was when that Probably, started. yeah, probably about then. I mean, it was yeah. it was a long, long time ago. I, I remember why the group That Shall Not Be Named was created. Right. And I think that was around that, it was around that 2012 time frame. In 2016-ish, I started getting itchy. Mm-hmm. I had switched jobs. I was not going to conferences as much as I wanted to. Um, I started using Drunken UX as kind of a little mini outlet for um, my missing of people. <laughs> and about the time 2017 rolled around, I started to think about what I wanted to do with it because I either needed to use it or not. Before that, though, was it was 2016 the year that I had you in the the secret groups? Secret Santa? Secret Santa, yeah. That uh, was, is that 2016? I think it was. It was, yeah, yeah. 15 or 16, definitely. Right. Um, Aaron got me this, the, the, uh, 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 the, the dude. Nick, Nick Offerman, right? Nick Offerman. God, why? Yeah. I have not had that much to drink, but my brain just would not give me his name. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nick Offerman's uh, Wood Book, which is yeah. both educational and hilarious. I highly recommend that. <laughs> And a beautiful little drawn picture of a wood clamp, which is now framed. Mm-hmm. I actually have it uh, at my parents' house. My dad awesome. is a is a shop teacher, and yeah. so he's got this cupboard of like all these antique tools and everything. And so we framed it and put it up with all of those. I don't think I got a picture of that before I sent it to you, but I I drew a similar one um, for my brother uh, for Christmas a few years prior to that. Um, his initials are DP, and so I drew like two um, C clamps, like inverted to look like a D. In it. Oh, nice. Through 2017, I 
kind of started thinking about this account, and I said, I either need to do something with it or get rid of it because, you know, it's like anything. I have I have too much. I'm a digital hoarder. I keep all of this stuff that I don't need. And I got to talking to some folks, and we started talking about the YouTube series. And I was like, mm. I just I don't, but I just don't think I could do it in a way that would satisfy anything. And I don't think I could do it in a way that would make it fun, I guess. Right. I don't feel like get drunk on camera and test a website is <laughs> the kind of entertainment people need in 2018. It, 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 for it to work by yourself, you'd have to be, you'd have to have the histrionics. Like you'd have to be a really like a uh, wild and emotive. Yeah drunk person very entertaining and not just like constantly <laughs> face palming like that yeah <laughs> we started talking about what about doing a podcast and i thought you know mm-hmm. that's not a terrible idea aaron found actually and i'll i'll throw a, a the tweet in in our in our show notes aaron found the tweet i sent out where i said you know what i think i'm gonna i'm just gonna see what happens and so i i mm-hmm. posted a, a tweet about hey i'm thinking about doing a podcast would anyone have an interest in being a co-host on a show where we just get drunk and talk about bad websites? <laughs> and this fool Which, was dumb enough. It's like two of my favorite things to do. <laughs> it's, what, what's hilarious is only two people replied to me, and he was one of them. Um, and this was on December 12th, 2017. And I, I say that because we turned around and launched the show in January of 2018. <laughs> which is insane. I mean, but it's also kind of on brand for people that maybe like, you know, drinking doesn't always lead to good decisions. And so, you know, not to say it was like a Vegas wedding of a podcast, but I mean, no, I, I was actually worried that I was going to scare you when we first started <laughs> talking about it. And I was like, I have here's my pre-production document with uh, schedule and show format and, oh, and no. tone yeah. and like if you didn't do that I would have I I, I I make a G-Doc for everything. <laughs> as soon as I bit on it, it it just seemed like such a good thing to do that I dove like full into that. Mm-hmm. So we were able to take this and I mean the idea itself was something I was thinking about before December, but it didn't really mm-hmm. coalesce until after that tweet. Right, and we were able to start and launch and if you go back and listen to episode one i hope you listen to episode one and listen to episode (laughs) 25 and can tell the difference because if we aren't getting better then what are we doing (laughs) what one big thing you may notice is that my mic sounds hell of a lot better now i taught aaron how to talk into a microphone (laughs) (laughs) well the first i think the first episode i was talking to the top of it but this is what i've learned from michael is called a side addressed mic um, where you're talking to it from the side. And also, I had it surface-mounted on my desk. Even with padding underneath it, there was still like a steady hum for my computer. Yeah. Which, it, I, I mean, Michael does post-prod, but there's only so much you can do with that. <laughs> if you know anything about audio, it's, it's called microphonic noise. It's basically mm-hmm. vibration that's transferred into the microphone because of what it's connected to. Um, so, yeah, we, we solved... Uh, I mentioned before the show doesn't make money, but we do spend a little. <laughs> so we've we've tried to address some of these issues for the benefit of you, our our avid listener. Thank you very much for making it worth well, our while. In in part two, we'll go into the specifics on the tech we use. Yeah, I I I now have. I'm happy to say, 
I have a shock mount ring, um, which is mounted on a stand, and I have a reasonably good pop filter. Um, I think the total cost of all of this was under under two hundred dollars easily. Yeah, yeah, it was under two hundred. Um, yeah, I want to send the thanks out. Um, we launched in January to mm-hmm. very little fanfare. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, our friends listened, which is the case for most podcasts. There's a whole culture around podcasting that's very interesting because so much of it is very homegrown and very grassrootsy, and I've I've kind of tuned into a lot of that, and so it's it's interesting to see that we got our first what I would call our big break in April. Oh right, we've yes. been doing it for about four months. We had maybe eight episodes in the can at that point. I don't even know if I'd started. Maybe I, I had just started real time overview. The reason and for. If you're interested, the reason real-time overview started was I was trying to use it as a means to keep listeners engaged, right. uh, you know, keep producing content, and and to provide a different kind of content that was easy to listen to, you know, something very short. Right. Well, remember, remember back like when when blogs were a thing, um, you know, the 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 common wisdom was to have a regular posting schedule, be it daily right. or weekly or whatever, but have it on a regular basis so that your people who at the time would have been using RSS, consume it, kind of expect, you know, your your distributions on those days. So I think it's sort of along the same lines, right? Like, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't produce this every week without going crazy and burning out. But um, you, you stay on top of people's minds, yeah, then, so to speak. Right. And thanks to Smashing Magazine, we got on top of a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Smashing Magazine <laughs> featured us in an article in April that. What is? I mean, it it like quadrupled our listenership overnight. <laughs> you know, if you came here from Thanks Smashing Magazine, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> if 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 you started listening, and actually, to our listeners, if you started listening to us as far back as that April, um, be, and you found us there, let us know. I would just be interested to hear that you're still yeah. here and that you're you're enjoying it. What yeah. fascinated me about that, and I said it at the time, was I was like, "This is awesome! Look at these numbers. They, right. you know." They're huge. Um, it's you know we've talked about the hug of death, the slash dot effect. This is was very <laughs> similar in in the world of podcasting. But I cautioned Aaron. I'm like, this is amazing. But I'll be interested to see what it looks like in a couple more episodes. Right, right. Because what I was like, yeah, I was waiting to see what kind of attrition happened and what the drop off mm-hmm. was for people coming just to see what we were about. And the shocking thing about it was we never dropped off. Yeah. I, I am not really, gonna, we'll go into really more numbers cool. in the next episode, but like if you yeah. look at our analytics and our, our stats, like we not only held it, but we have been growing ever since then. Uh, and that to me is like, that's the best part about it all because it means that we are putting out something that people enjoy and are staying for. It's really neat when I would hear from people that I know personally who's, who just happened to mention um, that they caught one of our episodes and that they really liked it. and. I mean, yes, it's people that I know, but I, I don't think that like they would go out of their way to say like, "Oh, hey, I caught this and I really liked it." They didn't have to say anything; they could have just said nothing, but they did. So yeah. it's, I, I don't know, it's just it's really cool to be like, "Oh, that's all, that's so great." We made a thing that people like. This is our love letter to you. Thank yes. you, thank you for being here, thank you for being a listener because we do pay attention, we see the stats, we watch Twitter, <laughs> we we look at these things, we we're in Slack. I we are thrilled that you enjoy it and that's why it's also very important to us to know what you want for season two because that stuff will factor in yeah 
talking yeah. about 2019 and beyond, and I mentioned earlier, uh, you started talking about YouTube. And mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting, and I threw a note in here to make sure we didn't just skim over that, that this idea of, like, it's hard to get into YouTube as an amateur of any kind now without some kind mm. of very oh, yeah. different or provocative content. The one that's going to come to mind immediately is the Hydraulic Press channel. <laughs> because it's, it's very specific. <laughs> it's a very high level to entry area. It's not like it, it is not high quality produced. Um, that doesn't mean it's not high quality. Let me be clear about that. Right. I, I watch it. I know about it because I enjoy it. It's fun. Right. Uh, but if you look at a lot of the YouTubers and, you know, if, if you watch anybody like, let's say Markiplier, uh, we mentioned in mm. our last episode, uh, folks like Grace Helbig. A lot of the gamers now, uh, guys mm-hmm. like Cage848 and uh, Partially Royal and some of those folks, the quality of those productions has gone way up. Yeah. And for them to put out that, co- that content requires a, you know, I can't meet it because I don't have the you, equipment they have. You've got to have like an HD camera, like a Canon HD or whatever that can do um, HD video. And you've got to have a green screen. You need to have either After Effects, Premiere, or what's the other one? Uh, this is a good video I use I use OpenShot for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know about it, but open source. Those people are using other ones. Premiere is the one I hear about the most often. Game streamers yeah. in particular, like the good ones, also have dedicated mm-hmm. streaming machines connected yep. to their gaming machines so that the two don't fight for resources. Right. They're... And, like, on, on the content side, even, like, think about somebody like the Fine Brothers. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar, they're the folks who produce the uh, React series, Kids React, Elders React, and all that. <laughs> and tried to patent it. Um, yeah. <laughs> we forgive them. <laughs> think about uh, somebody who has come along like Cinema Sins. Yes. Doing yes. everything wrong with. I've never tried to say that out loud before. Holy crap. Cinemasins. Cinem- Cinemasins. Um, honest trailers. What's a synonym for cinemasins? You know, the, oh, the point being that the level of professionalism on YouTube in order to be mm. successful is incredibly yeah. high. And that's not to say you can't be a small-time YouTuber. You totally can. But I think it's right. a lot harder to tap into an audience there now. If you want to mm. go, if, if we wanted to do this show, or if I wanted to go back and do Drunken UX The Show... Yeah, I think I would have a very hard time doing that and attracting an audience over all the other stuff there because of volume, the amount of stuff that's created, and yeah. the quality of the stuff that's being created at the top end. YouTube launched 10 years ago, right? Uh, 2006, right? Okay, so a little ago, over 10 years. I think, I, I think uh, 10 years ago, you know, you could realistically, and I remember seeing people that did this, they would just use their cell phone cameras. Yeah. They would use their, their smartphones. They would have the YouTube app and they'd record and then upload directly to it. And like, there would be no editing at all. It would just be like vlogs from their cell phone. And that was like acceptable content. And it is not the case. No. Anymore. And now they're, they're <laughs> using Canon D5 or five Ds right. with road microphones and, and right. soft boxes in their office. And yeah. Um, and podcasting, uh, is sort of in that it, it's right in that transition phase. You yeah. still have this super long tail of homegrown content. Mm-hmm. The lucky thing is it's relatively cheap still to produce good quality content. Yeah. 
But you are starting to see organizations moving in, and this is kind of what has happened in YouTube, where you're mm-hmm. getting a lot of sponsors, a lot of organizations built around making content for YouTube. And so in right. podcast, you know, if you listen to, you know, folks like uh, Gimlet is a, a good mm-hmm. example. You know, you've got these organizations that saying we're going to make our market in podcasting. And so they are scooping up a lot of that high-end uh, right. production quality. We're not there yet. Uh, but it's I, I see that coming where, depending on, my God, go into Reddit and go into the, the podcast or podcasting subreddit and do a search for the phrase true crimes. <laughs> the, I've heard. I I know someone that works on those. Oh, my God. The number of people who want true crimes podcasts, want to make them, is incredible. Yeah. It, in less of a f- quote-worthy phrase, two guys who get drunk and talk about movies and pop culture. <laughs> I'm not saying that's us. <laughs> <laughs> We're close. I I like our our like I like our niche our niche our niche. I think we're more niche than that. That's yeah. The web development <laughs> angle gives us something, but the that but that idea. Um, because mm-hmm. when I started this in 2011 and started this idea, that wasn't a thing. And when I started running with it, um, in fact, I think I even found at one point a podcast. It wasn't it it was dead, but it turned mm-hmm. out to be very similar to to what we were doing with Drunken UX. And it's like, man, you know, that idea, there are, there are no new ideas anymore. Right. Well, you know, what were we just saying earlier, though, about the, what the expectations are with, with the workforce and with jobs and what the school should be doing with computer science and all that. I, I think that a lot of our content is, pays service to people who are getting into this. And so with that being part of our audience, and if you're part of audience, like, let us know. <laughs> But the thing that yeah. makes me happiest about it is that I go back to that tweet from December mm-hmm. and I just pulled it up and here here is the exact thing I said. And on that topic, does the idea of a drink and rip on bad web design podcast collab appeal to anyone? I am I could not be happier that that is not what we do. <laughs> we did for the first two episodes, I think. And and we had like we've had yeah. those episodes. Yeah. Um but that I feel like is not what the Drunken UX podcast has become. Right. We aren't just two guys getting drunk and ripping on bad web design. Right. I don't mind like, you know, the weather episode or the car dealership episode. Like those are fun and I think they absolutely have a place. Um, but it it isn't the audio version of what I was thinking for YouTube, and that's kind of what I was describing there. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, it's it's cool to not be afraid of that kind of growth and change throughout you know what though uh, on, on episodes. those episodes that we do even though we are kind of just like ripping on bad web design and things that we think is like oh ugh, you know but it's it's not just schadenfreude and i think that in those episodes we have we, we come around to some really good insights that i think is um potentially useful for people whether or not they're in those industries God, I, think, I hope so. I, I think so. I, 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 there's things that I, I learned that, you know, that you find and that I find. And afterwards, I'm like, I learned something from this. Like, this was a, for me personally, it was a positive experience. Which segues nicely, actually, because I do want to talk just quickly about why we're doing this, right? Yeah. Because for me, 
it was about like looking for that chance to stay engaged. I mentioned how I was at that point where I was like, I need to either do something with this or mm-hmm. get rid of it. Um, right. And I, I wasn't traveling as much. I wasn't, I, I used to speak at conferences, not just once a year, like several times a year I was traveling to talk places. Um, but because of my change in job, uh, that happened in 2012, uh, my focus changed, and so I wasn't doing that as much, and I was starting to miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I viewed this as a way to sort of stay engaged with a broader community. Yeah, that was a. I mean, that was a big part about it for me. I don't know if you just saw a tweet and thought that might be cool. <laughs> uh, it was a little bit of that. It was a little bit like I've I've never done this before, and this is something I enjoy doing, and it seems like it would be fun. And yeah. really, that was about the extent of it. And uh. Yeah. I found it really hard, too, because, like, I used to use writing as an outlet, mm-hmm. and I still try to once in a while, but I, as weird as it sounds, and we'll get into this towards the end of the episode, that it was really hard for me to just set aside time to just write yeah. something, you know, write Same. an article or a tutorial, and I, I think that I come across better in, in audio than I do in writing, although mm-hmm. one of the best compliments I ever had... uh I, I do playwriting on the side uh, for those who don't know, which is probably most of you. Um, and I had somebody reading one of my shows and when they came back to me with feedback, one of the best compliments I've ever gotten was they said, I can literally hear your voice in my head as I'm reading this. Uh, I guess I just have that, uh, that quality, but uh, it, I enjoy it. I, I love writing stuff. I love putting tutorials out there, but at the same time, for some reason, it's just hard for me to commit to. It's been, I, I have a, I still have a blog up. It now has 16 point font. Thank you, Tatiana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I haven't, I, I think the last time I even logged into it was to update. Well, I mean, to do updates, but also to um, change the font size. Like I, I, I basically, I only log into it whenever I have like a discovery or something that I want to share. But I, I think a lot of times I forget to do that even. I, and I used to blog pretty regularly. Like, I would say almost weekly. Um, but not so much yeah, anymore. Yeah, so did I. Uh, well, I used to be on .edu Guru. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've mentioned that before. Yeah. I, I've actually pulled... I have a backup of the site because as I need stuff that isn't out there anymore because the site's no longer there, um, I go back to it and I pull those articles so I can reference them for folks. But I had like 100 articles on that site over the course of three years. So, yeah, I mean, it's like three articles a year. Maybe not. I don't know. My okay, so my strong suit. this is a tangent, but so on on this the secret group that shall not be named, there was a photo posted, and I don't remember who posted it, but it was of like two uh, small rugs, maybe like five foot long by two and a half feet wide, and then a couple cans of beer, like all just laying out in an alleyway. And here's the random thing. And then from that, I wrote a very short one act play. And then I put it up on a Tumblog, and I put the link into uh, the show the notes. Show notes, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I well, you know, I'm gonna read that. Yeah, well, it's it's on brand, I think, because it involves two people who are drunk, uh, ostensibly at work, and then one of their coworkers discovering them. Um, I, <laughs> it's a short read. <laughs> it, it's a good example too. Like this show scratched an itch for me, which is that. <laughs> I'm very busy, um, and I'm a theater guy. I majored in theater in college. Um, I also worked on two radio stations prior to this. 
and so I have a performance engine in me, so to speak. And so I saw this kind of as a way to get back into that a little bit on my terms without all of the overhead. Like, if you've done any acting of any kind in, you know, community theater or something like that, you know that those shows take, you know, weeks of time mm-hmm. every night. And it's hard to commit to that when you've got yeah. other obligations. So this gave me a way to kind of address that need. I think... uh a big a big thing for us and we've we've talked I mentioned before I did some pre-production planning for the show and everything and one of the themes I kind of decided I wanted to bring out of this is there's nothing wrong with making mistakes and that's not talking about you or anything that other people <laughs> like it's about literally Aaron and I <laughs> yeah yeah i it's it's literally my motto i have a a print that i bought from uh jay roder he's a graphic artist link in the show notes um and also image it's, I have a print of that. It says make mistakes and it's hanging in my bedroom wall. Um, because yeah. And, and what is it? It's Good Facebook, advice. right? Move, move fast and break stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer yeah, your version. So. Move fast and break shit. But, Oh, well that's yeah. what you said in the, is it stuff or is it shit? Well, I think he said stuff. Cause I mean, that was like oh. corporate thing. So, uh, okay, I think that was Facebook, wasn't it? That, that wasn't, no, Google was something else. Uh, Google was, Google was do no evil until it wasn't. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I, I like that motto because, and we've Mm -hmm. stressed this many times, Aaron and I are not perfect people. We are not perfect developers. Mm -hmm. Um, we are not like unicorns by any means. Uh, and I view the show itself as a chance to learn as much as anything, whether that's learning from our guests. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll throw back to, uh, the episode with Greg Padunovich and design Mm -hmm. theory, Man, I learned so much coming out of that episode because I'm not a designer. Yeah. That's not where my strength is. And so Same. that chance to sit down and talk about that concept with somebody who is so deeply rooted in it, mm-hmm. um, that gives – I hope you learned something as a listener, oh. um, and I definitely did. Definitely. The um, the one about Gutenberg, too, was um... – very informative. I did, I had no idea that was even coming around because I haven't been staying in abreast with WordPress news. One of the things it gave me a chance to do was I've been using Gutenberg now for like four months, five months. Mm-hmm. Um, the Drunken UX site is now powered by Gutenberg and has been. Um, by the time you listen to this, Gutenberg will have actually released. Um, we've already recorded. It's releasing tomorrow by our calendar. <laughs> but it gave me that chance to sit down and say, you know what, if we're going to talk about it, I should definitely be using it too. And sure. so it's it's pushed me uh, to do things like let's let's put Gutenberg on our website and and put our money where our mouth is. You know, sh- episodes like Real Time Over or shows like Real Time Overview, you know, have pushed me to make sure I'm constantly reading and always keeping up on different bits of news and tutorials and all of this. And so yeah. in a way, this has been. Even though this takes a ton of time to make and produce, it also has encouraged me to use the rest of my time a little bit better in service to mm-hmm. what I want to create, which I think is is part of why I did this, I guess. Um, yeah. It's why I keep doing it. Let me put it that way. Sure. I think I wanted, sure. to, I, I wanted to do it just because I like entertaining people. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I hope, hope we do that. <laughs> and we've talked, we've talked so much. Um, and... I love the phrase, you know, talking about imposter syndrome and this Mm -hmm. idea of comparing yourself to people. And the more we do this show, 
the more I enjoy. Uh, I remember, so we sat down in episode, I don't know, 18, 19, somewhere around there with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Wegman. Oh, right. Yes. And talked about computer security. And I, I remember yeah. him at one point saying, uh, I hope you don't mind, but that, you know, let, let me back up on that because what you just said wasn't exactly right. <laughs> right. And he was so worried that he was going to offend me by contradicting what I just said. But I was like, but right, no. Right, we're the hosts. Yeah. I... I love that because yeah. I don't I, – I think everybody benefits by seeing folks who are like, yeah, you know what? We're smart. We have problem-solving skills. We have critical thinking skills. Where do those <laughs> phrases come from? Uh, but it's – we're not perfect, and that is okay because the, what makes it okay is you have to be open to listening to other folks and, and gaining that stuff. And when somebody's smarter than you, you know, not not smarter than you, but – better skilled than you in a certain area says, well, wait, your job isn't to defend yourself. Your job is to say, oh, okay, well, wait for what? Tell me what I'm waiting for um, and figure that out. And that's true in any industry. I think for me, there was, there was a definite, there was a real watershed moment for me in my career when I, I think in the earlier years of my career, I felt a lot of imposter syndrome and I, and I felt like I, I didn't know as much as other people. And so I felt very defensive a lot of times. And I think I would, I would take feedback like that a lot more personally. And then there was a point at which it just sort of like flipped for me. And I was like, became okay with accepting. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know these things. And so when people would, would point, when I would make a mistake, I'd be like, oh yeah, I screwed up. Look at that. Or when people would say like, hey, did you know you could do it this way? I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. And it became a lot more receptive and I learned a lot more and I, I could really see my competency and my knowledge that I knew grew so much faster once I was able to accept that I, I was, you know, down at the bottom of, of not knowing things and then had a lot of room to learn. You know, there, there's always this stereotype of, you know, the, the homebody programmer who lives in his mom's basement eating Cheetos at a computer and doesn't go out in the mm. sun. That's the dream, right? And <laughs> not the dream. <laughs> that don't listen to Aaron. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, how's that for criticism? <laughs> it's, you know, th- these things, these, uh, th- these uh, stereotypes exist for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think it is because without going way philosophical, our industry is simply very male-dominated. Mm-hmm. It's still very prevalent that there's a lot of not good social skills present. <laughs> right. And I think it's on us to try to fix that. And I, I think a lot of that does come from exactly that, that there are people out there who don't take that criticism well, but yeah. they're never given that opportunity to flip that switch mm-hmm. and become the teacher or the person who says, oh, wait. I see now why they were Mm -hmm. giving me this information. We have to break that trend. And that was part of why we started a build process. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about this. Aaron and I talked behind the scenes about it. I was talking with some other folks who were interested in being involved with with the show. Um, And build process grew out of that idea and just the general growth of the show that I talk to people. I work with folks who are smart in ways that I will never understand and I will never mm-hmm. be able to uh, reach. Um, and I love listening to them and figuring out how to do what they do. But 
they are, you know, a few people in an organization that is very large. And the work, the real stuff gets done in the teams of six people, ten people, where those people aren't unicorns. They're just fucking good at what they do. Yeah. And they've put in the hours. They put in the hours, but they're mm. receptive to criticism. They understand. Mm -hmm. They know what they're not good at. And I think that especially for people who are learning and for people who are coming up in our industry, they need to see that that is so, so okay. Yeah. Because there's just the, – the horizon is so wide, and there's so much out there that you can focus on and that you need to. You need to focus on things to be good. Um, mm -hmm. But being good at some things comes at the cost of not knowing other things, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I learned recently about this term you – know, you know, paraprogramming, right? Yeah. So, so I learned about a different one called mob programming. I think, I think that was the term. I'll, I'll find the thing. But it's uh, it's essentially if paraprogramming is with two people in front of the computer, mob is with greater than two. That that and, sounds and... a lot like exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> Not an exorcism, but like the site exorcism. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. That goes down a whole weird road. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Um, but it's uh, you know. How how much how much nicer would it be? Like it's easy if it's just two people, and you're you know like you feel like well I have to be either the teacher or the learner right? So which one am I? If I'm not teaching, I must be the learner. Which means I don't know anything. Oh no, I'm a failure. They're all going to find out. It's easy to fall down that. But if you've got like three people, all of a sudden like you know there you could be the teacher or you could be the learner or you could be like the nebulous third person and maybe you're that person and that can be a little bit easier to sort of ask questions and admit you don't know things because there might be other things that you do know. And, and I, I don't know. I, I like this idea and I just learned about it today. Um, so it, it's a neat, neat thing. I'm looking to learn more about. So one of the things that we've had problems with, for instance, just to put everything on display is we have had several problems with guests. <laughs> which I think you should rephrase that. Yeah, which isn't to say that the guest was the problem. In fact, to everybody who has never been the problem been on our show, I a I appreciate you, and to those of you who have suffered through our uh, problems, uh, Jeff, uh, Greg, there was a third. Who was the third? Oh, Chris? there was an, was it Chris? I think yeah, I think it was uh, Chris. Yeah, there were at least three. I remember. Um, recording, if you don't know, I'm in Kansas, Aaron is in New York, our guests are wherever the guest is, so there, we can't record together in person. Right. And that means mistakes happen. Usually that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have had, the mistakes have ranged from software not at all behaving in a way that good user experience would define, to Michael forgot to hit a button. <laughs> and they have been so gracious to, you know, be patient with us and come back on and re-record what we've already done. Well, one of them one of them wasn't your fault. We were we were using YouTube Jeff. live that time, right? Yeah. And Jeff like, was the you, first one that that went wrong. Yeah, and and you would you would like 
like you had started it and it was working and then like you like stopped and restarted but when you restarted like it didn't automatically record your oh. feed what yeah that, that was live. jeff that was jeff because okay. that was the one where yeah. i was using the the multi-track input and yes. when i restarted it the the application i was using uh it it reset all of the input tracks to defaults and i didn't yes. know that and so when i right. did that because i don't since I have a an external microphone that's all fancy and 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 nice, it comes through a different input. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that was a uh, the other one. I think it was with Greg was the one where we restarted, and I I had started the recording. We had to restart it for some reason, and we got into it. And my brain, I remember even I think I I lifted up my clicker. I have this clicker I use to cut us in and out. And I went to hit it, and I think something either something distracted me, if I remember right. And I just I didn't go through all of the motions, and there was some muscle memory involved there. And so I, since I didn't uh-huh. do that, I didn't hit the record button a second time. And you've heard, if you've listened to past episodes, you've probably heard us make those sort of veiled jokes about, you know, doing this again or or whatever the case may be. And it just it's it's a case where this isn't web work, this isn't building a website, uh, it's something. It's media production, but there's no harm in acknowledging that. And um, my biggest fear has always been that uh, somebody would get angry and be like, I can't believe you wasted my time. And that's why I say I'm so thankful to those folks who have taken that time to to come back on. Um, For real. (laughs) But those oopsies happen, and they happen in web development as well. Um, God knows. Uh, I remember launching Google Analytics. This was in 2006, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was still Urchin in 2006, actually. Mm-hmm. And we launched it and broke the entire student portal for the entire university because we put Google Analytics on our site. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, you know, and in those situations, yeah, it sucks. You issue an, a mea culpa and you fix it and move on. and. Uh, I don't feel bad about that because preventing it would have required me to know things that I couldn't have possibly known. Yeah. Um, it had to do with cookies and the way a third system was consuming and, and distributing cookies. Um, it was so weird and bizarre and fringe. I don't feel the least bit. I love that story, as a matter of fact. And it's okay. I think that's the other, that, that side of imposter syndrome and all that, that I don't care if i make a mistake because i learned from it and i didn't do it again we fixed it and we launched yeah. google analytics i mean that's how you that's i think how you should react i, I mean i do feel badly about wasting our guests time we're not wasting oh, it but I, yeah, just totally re- require requiring more of their time than we should have and uh so you know hat tip to the guests we've had that were so patient the, with us the advantage to that is like theater Hey, we got a rehearsal in. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will say that every single one of those, the the second recording was far better than the first. No so, no offense to anybody else that we've had on. <laughs> no, yeah, no, none. I mean I think well those were the first like three that we did, and so they I yeah, think they after were that, all we had really early. Yeah. So I think we kind of figured out like what works and what doesn't, but um I I remember for the Gutenberg one, the first run through, I kept making like, kept, and I never used the word Gutenberg once. I kept using other German words each time. And I had a list in notepad on my computer 
um, of various German words. Here, here's I don't know. Here's joke my big didn't work. secret. I, I we didn't really fail that episode. I just said that so that we could re-record <laughs> it without that. <laughs> don't, Fair. Don't, don't tell Fair. Jeff. <laughs> uh, speaking of Jeff, just real fast, I want to give him a shout out because uh, while this episode is coming out in a few days, um, Gutenberg will still be very new, very freshly released. Um, mm-hmm. And if you are still getting ready for that or trying to think about it or prepare for it, um, they just on WordPress Weekly, and I'll throw a link in the show notes for it. Um, WordPress Weekly just had Matt Mullenweg on. So literally the, the day before Gutenberg is dropping, um, he sat down, chatted with Matt, and they went over oh, wow. a ton of stuff. And so if you That's have, awesome. Yeah, if you have any concerns or thoughts about, and for better or worse, um, about Gutenberg, I, you owe it to yourself to go listen to that episode of WordPress Weekly. So we'll link that. Give Jeff a shout-out, um, WordPress Tavern, WP Tavern, um, for taking the time to do that because, yeah, that, it's big. This is a big update. Uh, let's see. We've got one more. I've got one more topic I want to talk about, and then let's get the hell out of here and let people get ready for their holiday. I want to talk about setting aside and making the time for the show, because I said earlier that I didn't have time for writing, but here I am producing a podcast that is currently doing (laughs) in the area of seven episodes a month. And I still say that I don't have time to produce this, uh, to, to do all this. And yeah, it's, I won't even lie. We'll talk about it in the next episode. Our production schedule will be changing because of it. Um, Yeah. But setting aside the time and making the time, I think, is an important thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to write or build websites or do graphic design or make a podcast or make a YouTube series. Like, for instance, for us, I had to think about setting aside the time just to make a website. Right. Aaron, you have a website. Yes. Is it is it yours or do you just use like WordPress or Medium or I a long time ago it was hand coded um and I I was happy with that but then like writing new content into it I was like I'd spend I'll just do it in WordPress. So it's in WordPress now. Do do you have like your own server or do you use like a Bluehost or Oh, I use I use DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean. Um, yeah. So that's what we do. Uh, and mm-hmm. same thing. We went with WordPress. Our site's WordPress. Um, we made the choice to go with a premium theme just for the sake yeah. of expediency. I, I think it makes sense because we're serving podcasts. Um, most of the normal themes aren't podcast oriented. And I think the one that you picked for this, I think, works really well. Like, I really like how the player fits right in the top. It's really easy to find. And I like how the content fits. It's, For uh, what it's worth, there actually aren't a lot of options in the podcasting yeah. premium theme realm. Right. That's not to say that there's anything wrong with our theme. Although I do know, and before anybody tells me, I know there's a CSS bug on uh, narrow screens. I'm going to fix that. <laughs> Throwing that out there. We Yeah, so we went with the premium theme, um, and I'm using a plugin called Seriously Simple Podcasting. Um, right. There are a couple other fairly large players, and I went back and forth. But, you know, I, I said early on that I was going to set aside that time um, to build that site. And it, there's a, there's a, this problem, and it is true with my blog. Um, Aaron, I think mm-hmm. you would agree. The mm-hmm. the cobbler's children don't have shoes. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. The, this problem so of when you, you know, or like, 
I was talking to a, somebody who worked for a, a newspaper recently, and they love writing. And they have, uh, I forget what it was, a story that they were looking at. And I, I was telling them, well, why don't you turn it into a book? Mm-hmm. And they're like, I, I write all day. Yeah. I don't want to go home and write more. And yet that's what we do so often with web. Um, right. And I will be the absolute first one in line to tell you, I know our website has problems right now. I know my blog has problems right now. Um, because it is hard to say after working all day building websites that I'm going to spend all night working on websites. I still, I still love the, um, for in the transcript area how we have it looks like a text message conversation. I I still that that is something that we wrote. We we created that. That was not part of the theme. That that is but our I, custom development. Yes, and I I still think that that is awesome. <laughs> I'm totally patting us on the back for that we rule and and to go with that like i've done some work on the side too i've set us i've made that time i we put this show out on youtube now um we've got a tool that puts out a nice little like wave for me kind of interactive video mm-hmm. um i do custom images for our covers our cover images but also for twitter um uh, right at different sizes and it's like all of that takes time and I think, uh, you know, again, regardless of what you're thinking about doing, you know, Mm -hmm. making time is an important part of that and figuring out ways to streamline that. So I've got, I have template files set up for a lot of this. Mm -hmm. I found resources that make it quicker. Our choice to go with a premium theme was all about expediency. Um, Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk uh, next, uh, next show about our future goals and making our site better is among them. Uh, but also like we set aside time to record, obviously. I, you know, I, speaking to that, um, I think that if you are wanting to start a podcast, don't worry about making your site perfect initially. Just make it no. work and make sure you're collecting data. You're not going to lose anything as long as it works and it's serviceable. You know, focus on just creating the content because that's going to be the lion's share of your time. But finding the time to record, you know, we have to, we set up times in the evening mm-hmm. usually to sit down and record these episodes. We have a lot of time that goes into writing notes ahead of time. Um, there's yeah. editing time that has to come into all of this. Uh, scheduling with guests when that comes up. Oh, right. The editing. I totally forgot about the editing. Ed- editing takes hours in some cases. Yeah. Um, recording, that process of recording is something that, again, you just kind of, you know, know what you're getting into. And I say that not because I expect everybody to go out and make a podcast. I say that as somebody telling anybody else who wants to do something. Think about Create content. Yeah, you, you can't just think about your outcome. You have to think about the process that goes into yeah. it. Uh, I, I think I, I'm, I'm grateful that with the exception of the times when we've had to do re-records, we haven't had to do multiple takes. And so, right. you know, in the hour... 20 roughly minutes podcast the actual recording is probably only hour 45 hour 50 long but we still have you know like michael and i will typically connect uh 20 30 minutes beforehand kind of run through the show notes make any additions or subtractions and then talk about like some points we want to cover and then we usually like chat afterwards while i'm uploading my audio to his server and then, you know, Michael mentioned doing the editing, which he does. I I did it for 
the build process number two for an RTO episode that I filled in on. Uh, but I think you typically do the, uh, the DUX episodes. Yeah. And I, yeah. and the post prod too. count myself lucky a little bit there because that's my radio background coming through that. Yeah. You're, like, you're more skilled at those things. Yeah. Like I'm used <laughs> to editing. I know what audio editing is like and, and you know how to master a track and all of that kind of stuff. So that, has definitely come in handy in this particular case. Um, right. But it's it's the kind of thing that uh, I, I hope it makes a difference for folks. I, I hope that you mm. notice that the extra time that we have put into that. But even if, let's say you're a painter, you know, maybe that's mm. what you do on the side. I can only imagine what has to go through, you know, preparing the colors that you need and the mm-hmm. mediums that you're using and... Uh, you know, the canvas, maybe the canvas type has a certain kind of uh, cotton quality to it that absorbs paint differently and causes it to dry differently. Make sure whatever it is you do that you take the time. It's it's that pre-work that really helps the post-work so much. In, in, in painting, as someone who does do painting, I will say it's actually the polishing is where you'll spend probably 80% of your time, you know, getting the initial thing down is you know that takes time but then the the perfection and the quality actually comes out during like you know the the polish and the detail and the the finessing and all the all the stuff that might in recording i guess might be like post-production what what are the areas where i think we've failed miserably on that front (laughs) is putting the time aside to transcribe Yes. Oh my gosh. I I remember there was a tweet out there of me telling someone that we would prioritize this because it's important and it is super important to both of us. But it's hard Uh, and we will go in depth in that in the next episode. So if you're interested in that piece, be sure to stay tuned. Um, But to me, and I'll take your, your painting metaphor, my painting metaphor, you metaphor, I don't know, uh, (laughs) the painting metaphor. It's kind of like you paint the picture, but you rely on somebody else to put the mounting brackets and wire on the back, you know? Yeah. yeah um, yes. And that's kind of where it's like you could take that extra time to do that and do it the way you want it and make it right. Or you right. just assume somebody else will. And that's kind of where transcription fits. And it's one area where right. we really have failed our listeners. Um, and it's it's yeah. the kind of thing, let's go all the way back to imposter syndrome and admitting mistakes and all of this that – Mm-hmm. We know that we aren't doing a good job of that, and we're hopefully going to take steps to make it better. Yeah. Time is a huge component of that. And along with that is promotions and making sure that, mm-hmm. you know, the show does nothing. If if we have no listeners, we can't do the show. Um, <laughs> right. And well, I mean, so, we can. It would just be screaming to the void. You, yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's that's no fun. <laughs> and I, I tell folks, you know, do if you're going to do a podcast of any kind, do it for the love of your topic. Yeah. But for a lot of folks, that's not good enough. And they're always right. asking those questions about, well, how do I get more listeners? How do I do this and do that? And you do have to do a minimum amount of promotions, whether that's paid advertising, right. search engine optimization, whatever. We spend a lot of time. You know, I, I try to do Instagram now. I, I We don't have a lot to show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's microphones and computer screens and, and cover images. But I try. Uh, we we do YouTube. We are working on the website. And we do those things, but those all of this, yeah. everything we've said in the last 
15 minutes are all time sucks that yeah whether you're it's producing all ancillary time ancillary costs that yeah they maybe you don't think about when you think i make a podcast or make anything you know again i yeah i i don't want you to think of this lesson as a lesson in how do you make a podcast popular i although that's that said i would say that the number one the number one priority above well above all of this is to first make good content that you're happy with yep. and that you feel like delivers what you want to deliver and then like then worry about the marketing and and everything else because like if you have a shitty product it doesn't matter if you're great at marketing you know you got to be passionate and you have to you have to believe in what you're selling and yeah i've been building websites for my god over 20 Part years <laughs> i love my industry uh i love what i do i love the company i work for i'm fortunate to be able to say that about all those things um mm-hmm. and i hope that some of that is absorbed by everybody else too because that's why we're here The Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by our friends at NewCloud. NewCloud is an industry-leading interactive map provider who has been building location-based solutions for organizations for a decade. Are you trying to find a simple solution to provide your users with an interactive map of your school, city, or business? Well, NewCloud's interactive map platform gives you the power to make and edit a custom interactive map in just minutes. They have a team of professional cartographers who specialize in map illustrations of many different styles and are ready to design an artistic rendering to fit your exact needs. One map serves all of your users' devices with responsive maps that are designed to scale and blend in seamlessly with your existing website. To request a demonstration or to view their portfolio, visit them online at newcloud.com slash drunkenux. That's nucloud.com slash drunkenux. Thanks for listening this week, uh, folks. Thanks for that. I I don't know, boy. We're in trouble because we have another half of this episode to record, and we're doing it right now. And boy, I'm already a little bit tongue-tied. I think it's a good but way. We're gonna roll with it. That's an on-brand way to close out the year. That is an on-brand way to close. <laughs> I agree. Uh, thanks for listening. I am your host, Michael Fien, and Aaron Hill is on the other microphone. This has been Drunken UX Podcast, episode number twenty-five. We are rounding out the season finale. This is part one. And stay tuned because in two more weeks, you're going to get part two. Yes. Be sure to connect with us on the Twitters, slash DrunkenUX, and also on DrunkenUX.com slash Slack, and on Instagram slash DrunkenUX Podcast. We have photos of stuff. You know what? I'm going to... We were talking about electronics earlier. I, I soldered together... I, I get the hacker boxes dot com monthly bundle and I got a little kit with um picks and audio in. show it off I will I, I put it on my Instagram but I will put a picture of it or a video onto the UX Instagram because it's it looks really cool we need yeah that's what people are craving baby <laughs> folks even though we are recording this all right now and we're getting ready to go on vacation you will get episodes throughout the rest of December as scheduled because we just care about you that much so real time overview will be on Wednesday along with a build cast build cast build pod no nope, build <laughs> process restart 
build process episode. Um, I think that's on the 12th, if my memory is right. If it's not the 12th, it's the 19th. But either way, I hope you listen. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I only got one other thing to say. And until next week, part two of our season finale, we say, keep your personas close and your users closer. Bye-bye.